Hi, hello, happy birthday, good morning, good evening, whatever the time or kind of day you're having, I am so excited to welcome you to the first ever episode of the Proof of Sound podcast, recorded right here in the magic city of Birmingham, Alabama. I'm Reed, and alongside me are my co-hosts who I'll be meeting with to talk about that sweet, sweet sound of the human condition music. Let's start off with some quick introductions so that you can meet the crew. Kyle Phelps, he's a former hardcore kid, a newly minted parrot head, and a self-described peepaw. Hey, everybody. Jake Smith, teacher of books, classic rock historian, and one of the most extroverted people you will ever meet. Hey, hey. And Devin Cooley, a certified gentle dude and a pop-punk tech guru who once possibly had the tallest hair in the state of Alabama. That's me. Gentlemen, we're here. It's the first episode. We're doing the thing. This has been a long time coming. I'll tell you what. It's been yeah, Jake. Will you fill us? Will you fill the listeners in on how much of a long time coming this has been? How long has this been gestating? I'm pretty sure we talked about having a podcast of some sort when we were still in undergraduate of college. So this is six, seven years in the making at least. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I have been talking to Jake about music for that long, if not longer. Uh, I think that is how Jake and I built our friendship. And a year later, we met this guy named Devin Cooley, who is, again, a sweet boy. A true sweet, sweet boy, but also just one of the one of the coolest dudes ever. Uh, and, you know, we, we mentioned the, the band Weezer, and it was just, it took off from there. Yep, that's all it took. That's all it took. <laughs> so if you're looking for a friend, just mention Weezer and you'll probably get there. And then many, 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 many years later, degrees later, career changes later, we ran into this cool guy, uh, uh, Kyle, over here. Uh, I was about to say, you guys have been doing this for a few years. It's just been a couple months for me. Yeah, yeah. But he already fits in like Already a it feels like it's been years. Kyle. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm so excited to get uh, get this done with you guys. Again, we've been working toward this for a long time. Uh, if there's one thing that I, I love to do with these three, it's grab some beers and and talk about music. And finally, we've made it into a thing for everybody else to sit in and enjoy. So with that in mind, guys, I, I want to do I, I do kind of want to talk about what are our goals for this podcast as we set off on this journey together, this I was going to say four-legged race. I guess it's like an eight-legged race because we're all together hobbling along. Uh, you know, what What do you guys want this podcast to accomplish? You know, obviously it's about music. Sure, that's fine. But like, what do, what music topics do we want to cover? What, what kinds of, what kinds of ground do we want to uh, make sure that we cover each, each time that we get together? Well, I think the first thing uh, is just going to be making sure that whatever we talk about is something that our listeners, hey, listeners, hi, um, that y'all also want to hear. Um, so with that in mind, um, always feel free to get in touch with us. We'll have an email available um, that you can get in touch with us with. If you ever want us to talk about anything, you, I, obviously, I want to hear what other people's thoughts are as well. So yeah. any ideas that y'all as the listeners have, that's first and foremost on my mind for sure. Yeah. And look, if you're in 2000, you can email us. But if you're in kind of the current age that we're in, you can comment on our different social media posts and channels. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. You can get in touch with us there. But respect respect what you're going for, Jake. For info sure. in the descriptions. In, there you go. There you go. We're, we're true podcasters now when we're saying info in the descriptions. But all right, so Jake wants to make sure that our listeners are part of the conversation. I love that idea. Devin Cooley, what about you? 
So I think for me, a lot of what I want the podcast to be is new music, things that are new to the world in general that we're finding, uh, things that are releasing week to week, month to month, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, things that are also new to us. I know it's like, especially in my case, I'm finding new stuff all the time that isn't new to like any of the three of you at all. And so, um, you know, finding albums that are, you know, classics to some people that, you know, are just new finds for me. That's been really exciting from time to time. And, you know, just uncovering things that we hadn't really thought about from time to time or artists that we've decided to revisit that we haven't really listened to in years and years. Totally. Um, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, a big part of my thing too, when I've been listening to music is not only do I want to talk about, you know, what was released from that year that made an impact on me or thought was impressive, but what I discovered and gone back to, right? So exactly what you're saying, either a classic album, or even if it's not a classic by like, I don't know, culture standpoint, something that's important to me, you know? I want to know what the 10th best Rolling Stones album is, and I'm going to make sure all three of y'all go along on the ride with Hell me. Yes, yes. And to our listeners, if you have an answer to that, please let Jake know. Please. I'm please. dying to know. Is it Voodoo Lounge? I feel like it's Voodoo Lounge. <laughs> uh, Kyle, what about you? What What is your wish list for this podcast? Um, I'm, I'm kind of on the same page as Devin. Um, I think uh, the way the world works now, there's so much new music coming out that we can kind of pigeonhole ourselves into listening to what we already know and are comfortable with. And stuff just blows by us without knowing. So... Um, just hearing new music from, from you guys. And then also, uh, anyone that emails us or sends in snail mail, um, you know, just hearing music that I don't hear already would be great. We also have a pony express agent. <laughs> we are going straight to like, look, I teach email still my world. <laughs> hey, no, 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 no shame. If you slack me about this podcast, I don't know how I will respond. Honestly, um, I'm, I'm 36 years old and I email my parents every morning. Do you really? That's a true story. What is the subject line? What I did the day before. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. It's hey. <laughs> that that is amazing. Uh, I think for me, just a quick thing is that I if if there's one thing that I love more than listening to music, it's talking to people about music. That is that is my favorite way to connect with other human beings on this planet. Um, I think. It's cheesy as shit, but you know what? We're just going to go ahead and go there. I, I really think that uh, sometimes when you are, are sharing why you love a particular song or artist or genre or a concert experience or whatever you know experience you've had with a piece of music, it just reveals so much about you. And um, I don't know, it's just a really easy way to to connect some dots with other people. That's what that's what I've always done. It's what I've done with these three for sure in terms of in terms of building a friendship. Speaking of that, I think it is time to get to uh, one of the main segments that we'll have on the Proof of Sound podcast each time. For right now, we're going to be calling it the the what's on cue that could change. Listeners, you'll adapt with us. It's all good. But in this segment, we're just going to be talking about uh, the music that we have been listening to lately. And as, as we've already kind of laid out, this can be stuff that has been recently released that is hot and that we just decided to check out. But this could also be stuff that was released in, you know, the past five years, the past 10 years, the 90s, the 80s, whenever uh, that we just happened to, you know, put our ears on. This can be stuff that is brand new to us. This can be stuff that we've listened to for years and have new thoughts about. But we're just going to be kind of sharing roundtable, uh, you know, what what has just been going through, pumping through our headphones lately. Well, Reed, I think I'd love to hear you go first on this one. Okay. All right. So. Guys, if there is one thing I have 
discovered about myself over the past couple years, it's that when April turns to May and things start to get a little warmer and a little sunnier, especially because we are recording this in Alabama, so really things just become unbearable. The way that I cope with that is I somehow always dive into much, much heavier music. I am not a heavy metal guy. Like if you run into me in the street in like March and you're like, do you love heavy metal? I'm like, you know, I'm like a heavy metal tourist. I kind of go in and I go out. I'm not, that's not me 100% of the time. For whatever reason during the summer, that's when I just always find myself drawn to that kind of music. Um, a couple years ago, it was, that was around the time that I decided to pop in uh, Metallica's Ride the Lightning for the first time. In Classic my- summer album. Yeah, <laughs> Ride the Lightning. Trapped under ice just really makes me feel that warmth of summer. <laughs> it melts me away, right? Yeah, no, it, I, I, was, I was driving back from Orlando and popped that thing in and I was like, damn, this is, this is, this is the stuff. Uh, it's also when I've discovered the sword. It's also when I discovered last summer, how much I love the band elder. And this summer, I feel like my heavy metal band. I saw Jake giving me the horns. Thank you, Jake. Uh, my heavy metal band for this summer has been Baroness. And if you're not familiar with Baroness, they started as a sludge metal band out of Savannah, Georgia, and have slowly over the years morphed into less of kind of this, uh, stalwart classic metal as we would call them and more of this weird psychedelic hard rock I don't know amalgamation almost they're really hard to kind of pin down and describe now basically their music isn't trying to just hit you with countless riff after countless riff there is so much more vocal variety there there's just so much crazy sonic texture that they throw in and the reason that Baroness really came onto my radar this summer is I decided to start taking a a delve back into my best of 2019 playlist. And when I did that, I discovered the song, or I rediscovered the song Borderlines, which was on their last album, uh, 2019's Golden Gray. And so this, this particular song I listened to in 2019 and I loved it. But when Golden Gray came out, I just kind of bounced off of it. And I think part of the reason is that album is like 17 tracks long. It is, it is a hefty listen. And not only is it lengthy, it's super dense. And what I mean by that is it just goes through several different moods and shifts. The band improvises parts of the whole album and it just, it can feel very kind of off kilter and off center to the point where I think when I was trying to listen to it in 2019, I was like, man, I'm just not in the headspace for this. This sounds like something that I need to like sit down with and just really study. And I just wasn't in that headspace. And so I I never really paid attention to it. But when I rediscovered Borderlines this summer, I was so enamored by that song and it was like I hadn't listened to it in so long. I was like, God, I forgot how much I love this song. It is like six minutes long. It is just this long build that kind of moves between these just crazy gnashing riffs and this weird like drum and bass breakdown. But then kind of toward the end, it goes into this like life affirming, like, I don't know, you feel like you're like punching through the crust of the earth and you're you're coming on something, right? <laughs> Uh, and so I was like, oh man, this is so good. I want to go back and check out Golden Gray and see if I miss something. And y'all, oh my God, that <laughs> album. I am so mad at myself for never taking the time to really sit down with it. It is such a masterclass in a band, I think, pushing themselves to their complete limits. There are songs on there that sound like typical heavy metal. There's songs on there that sound like these weird spacey folk ballads, something that you would maybe find in like, I don't know, not quite 
not quite like a Modest Mouse album or anything like that, but just just something a little more kind of esoteric and heady. Um, there's a weird two minute kraut rock jam on that album. It goes in so many different directions and that can kind of sound like it might be kind of a mess. But what I've discovered is that I, it, it really seeks into each other really, really well, if that makes sense. Like the tracks all really have this nice flow and they seem to um, all kind of veer into the same sonic territory. There's so many references to the colors golden gray throughout the lyrics. Um, it, it just feels like such a complete package. If you've never listened to Baroness, I would not say that that is the album to start with. That is like 400 level Baroness for yeah, sure. I have, I have a Baroness thoughts. What do you do? Sure. What you got? What you got? Um, man. So you said you're not like a huge heavy metal fan. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I right. love heavy metal. Right. And when you're like within the, the heavy metal community, for lack of a better term, I feel like Baroness is one of those bands that's like, Oh, we don't like Baroness. Yes, totally. <laughs> like the people that like metal don't tend to like Baroness. So for me, I've been in this interesting position where like I consider myself to be a very big metal fan. And so I almost came in to Baroness with like this preconceived notion that it was going to be trash, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and when I finally got around to listening to them, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say it was confirmed for me that they were trash, but I could say that they're, they just aren't really for me in a metal since. sure i don't know they don't feel like what i listen to metal for that being said i love kind of their more psychedelic elements I yeah love kind of the the sonic texture going on that sort of thing which is not something that you get a ton from a lot of metal bands a lot of metal bands are all about aggression and riffs and you know they kind of that power behind the sound uh, but they don't really give you texture um so for me the things that appeal to me about baroness are not the things that appeal to me about heavy metal so sure it's interesting that you're talking about this album being maybe more geared towards that because I haven't listened to this album, but um, the Baroness I've listened to in the past hasn't quite been for me, mostly because I feel like they're maybe leaning too hard in a metal direction where that's not their strength. Sure. Well, and I'm interested when you listen to Baroness, what do you remember what album or what songs you listen to? Uh, the most recent one I've listened to is I listened to, is it purple? Is yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I listened to purple um, just a few months ago, I think. And you know, it, it's not bad. I yeah. enjoy it while it's playing, but I just don't remember much of anything from it. Sure. Uh, but if they're going to lean farther into that more psychedelic kind of field, maybe that, maybe that's something I need to check out. I, I would be really interested in your thoughts on Golden Gray, Jake, because I think it, I, I'm so glad that you said the word psychedelic, because that is definitely a humongous part of that album um, in terms of descriptors that I would throw out. I would also say Prague is a humongous moment. Oh, dang. You got I, me in. Oh, yeah. No, I think you should try it because I think it's interesting, too, that you talked about how Purple was the album that you um, kind of listen to with Baroness because I happen to love Purple. I think it is their most immediate release. That may be sometimes what I would recommend to people to try out Baroness because I feel like it, for me, it rides that line perfectly of metal aggression, kind of, but then also these immediate hooks, these songs that aren't super long. It doesn't go in any of like these crazy directions that are super unexpected, like Golden Gray. Um, I think too, with Baroness, that evolution from kind of a sludge metal album to, or sludge metal band to kind of more of that heavy psych, you know, the album Red, super sludgy, like all together sludgy. That is just growled vocals. Like it is just bone crushing riff after bone crushing riff. Blue, which was the album after Red, became kind of more of this like anthemic, epic kind of metal. And then Yellow and Green, I feel like is the, is the demarcation line that a lot of people kind of strike with Baroness where they were like, no, 
they're no longer a metal band. They are out of this genre, you know, screw them, whatever. And I think I just happen, like you said, I happen to be so much of a tourist with heavy metal that whether it's red where they are super in that sludgy territory or it's yellow and green where they kind of sound like a powered up Foo Fighters or a, a golden gray where they're going on this really experimental direction. I just love it all. I think the thing I love the most about Baroness is the majesty of it. They just sound like they are coming down on some winged Pegasus out of the clouds to like tell us that the war is over, that the battle has been fought, uh, which is another big you know reason that I, I love heavy metal so much. Or I, I love the metal, metal battles. cliche if we're going to be honest. <laughs> completely, completely. No, I, you know, doom metal and stoner metal and the more fantasy the metal, the more likely I'm probably going to like it, honestly. That's just kind of my taste. Fair but enough. But yeah, Golden Grey, Crazy album from 2019 that I should have paid attention to. If you haven't listened to it and you've never listened to Baroness, don't go there. Just don't, don't, don't put yourself on that dark path. Go somewhere else, uh, maybe purple, maybe blue. But if you're a Baroness fan and you skipped it like me, don't. It's it's totally worth your time. I also think it needs to be said, uh, vocalist of Baroness, John Dyer Baisley, has some of the best artwork in the game today. Holy Yes. <laughs> Kyle, you are so correct. Uh, I've recently, through this phase of my my Baroness resurgence, I've been buying their records on vinyl. And what a treat to just sit yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, they, he can do a, a Baroness or Cavella talk cover, but then on the other hand, he can do a Gillian Welch cover. So, you know, it's, it's uh, incredible artwork. So even if you don't listen to Baroness, John Dyer Baisley, check out his artwork. He's the vocalist. I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, Kyle, you were, you were next on the mic. I, I want to hear what, what you're talking about. What, what's been poking through those headphones, Kyle? What you got? Former hardcore kid. Um, so to anyone that knows me, it's no surprise that I'm going to talk about uh, the album uh, "Between the Richness" by Fiddlehead. Uh, it came out uh, back in May on Run for Cover Records. Um, I, I make no. I don't try to hide it or anything. Uh, I'm a huge Pat Flynn fan. Um, Pat Flynn is vocalist of Fiddlehead, uh, among other many bands in hardcore. The easiest ones to get to, uh, obviously, have heart. Uh, the band Free, uh, Sweet Jesus, and Wolf Whistle are all bands that uh, Pat Flynn has uh, fronted. Um, just an incredible person, uh, incredible mind uh, that, that is somehow just everything he touches turns to gold. Um, between the richness to me, um, I, I thought it was going to be hard to, to live up to the hype from their last record. Uh, and, and they did it. Um, you know, the last record had some heavy themes after Pat Flynn's father passed away that the whole album is about the, the grief that comes with loss. And, uh, you know, he, he somehow topped himself with an album about birth from this, uh, birth of his son. Um, so, you know, from, from a, a subject matter, uh, both albums heavy in different ways, but but musically, um, it, it's a little more of the same. Um, uh, but so some new things as well. Uh, Reed, I know you're big into it. Oh my God, no! And and I love it too because Kyle, I know that you are a dyed in the wool Pat Flynn fan. Have been following him for years. I had never heard of this guy up until a couple months ago when I decided to try out Fiddlehead and. I should also say that hardcore. If I'm a metal tourist, I'm a hardcore. I mean, amateur is not even the word. I don't know anything about hardcore typically, and I know that Fiddlehead is not a hardcore band, but it 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 cribs from that from that genre and from those kind of. It definitely songs. lives in that world. Yeah, totally. And I, I think, despite that inexperience, it knocked me on my 
But I mean, I just, I think the thing about that record that really appeals to me, and I feel like from some of what you passed me, Kyle, about, about Pat Flynn and kind of what he's all about is just the, and what you were talking about with the, with the uh, themes of yeah. those records, it's just the raw emotion at display. Mm-hmm. It, it just bowls me over every yeah. time. It, it feels so, um, it just grips my heart and never lets go. And uh, yeah, between the richness of white and blue. It's so good. I love yeah. it so much. Yeah. I think, you know, I think it should be said that uh, Pat Flynn was in uh, Have Heart, what was coming into fame yeah. in the early 2000s. Um, and early 2000s hardcore was pretty macho, um, you know, not, not a lot of talking about feelings. And, and when bands like Have Heart that came around that were, you know, had that uh, aggressive sound but talked about feelings and emotions, they kind of got chalked up to what was called girlfriend hardcore, which obviously Whoa. is problematic. Yeah. Um, but everything Pat has done, whether it's even more aggressive than Fiddlehead with like Wolf Whistle, which is like a power violence band, uh, all the way to, to Fiddlehead, which, you know, you could say is like borderline like 90s college rock. It's a little bit of pop punk lineage too going on. Yeah, yeah, on. a little, little bit of pop I punk. I think that that's why the, the emotions on the sleeves fit so well with this record is because yeah. it's got that hardcore lineage, but there's also like, there's there's a healthy dose of like yeah. like wonder years in there that, yeah. that to me, that works very well for me. That's like kind of my bridge into yeah. it. I like the album. I think it's really good. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's like top of my list, yeah, yeah. but I've listened to it a few times now. I, I dig it. When anytime, anytime it's on, I'm enjoying myself. Yeah, yeah. I've been, uh, I, Devin here, I, I've been telling him that when he listens to Spotify, I spy on him because I, I just like that. I'm a creeper with my friends and what they're listening to. Real yeah. talk. If you're it's listening natural. to something and I like it, I'll text you just full on. But he never texts me. Oh, Devin, text Jake. Oh, Devin, yeah. what do you think? I know I saw you today, boy, listening, <laughs> listening to this Fiddlehead record. What did you what did you think? What were your initial thoughts? So I listened to this a good two, maybe three times today. Uh, it helps because the album's what, 24 minutes long, Great 25 quick. minutes no, long, which is. Yeah. So it, it's a very easy listen. I, what I liked about it most was it just it drives. It just keeps going forward. And like you said, where it grabs you. It just keeps moving. Yeah. And it's like, it doesn't give you the option to like sit back and go, what about that? Sorry, you you (laughs) moved on. And so like that, that was one of the things that I like so much about it. Um, And you feel that like from track one to track two, because it's just a continuation. Yes. And and I think that's them like grabbing you and going like, okay, we're going. Yeah. One one of the best album openers in a long time. A hundred percent. I was hoping we would get to that. The, the, the Segan to grief motif to the, the years is it it starts with that riff. And Kyle too, I want to know, we were talking about how the heaviness or the first album was so much about his you know, grappling with his, his father's death and that kind of grief. And then the second album is so much more about the birth of his son and those two heavy themes. I feel like I saw that, or I heard that a lot in grief motif to the years where I feel like grief motif is so much more about, you know, I wake up and I fall apart. I do all these things yeah. and I keep falling apart. And then I feel like the years is about like grabbing hold of that sadness and doing something with it. Yeah. I recently read an interview with him or, or, or listened to another podcast or something, but, but he mentioned wanting to, to almost start with the theme of like, you know, yeah, I'm going to live with this for the rest of my life. Uh, talking about the, the passing of his father, but like, uh, this is me moving on. Yeah. So, and, and I think he conveys that 100%. Totally. Um, Kyle, I, I also want to go back to something. We were planning out this podcast and listeners forgive us. This is our first time. This is our first journey. You talked about 
you know, each thing that we talk about, making sure that we have some standout tracks. What is a standout track from Between the Richness to you? Uh, Lover Man, without a doubt. Uh, it, it's such a good track. I, I will say the first few times I listened to it, uh, they, they released some singles before the album. And Down University was my jam for, for the longest. Um, but then something about Lover Man, the, the, the drums at the beginning, uh, uh, the, the lyrical content of it being about his son, like it, it, it just all clicked with me one day. And yeah, if I only listened to one song from that record it's that one on repeat lover man love it love it and if you're gonna listen to golden gray by baroness listen to borderlines anyway jake i'm so excited to hear what you've got for us today yeah Yeah. i uh i've got a few um but i'll start with the one that i want to talk about the least just so i can kind of kind of kind of keep the ball rolling a little bit um and that would be uh the new lucy degas album uh home video which is you know so i have kind of like made it my trade almost to just really enjoy that kind of genre of the sparse indie song with the guitar and the emotive lyrics and that a uh, very soulful type of singing. Uh, last year we heard it with Phoebe Bridgers, um, one of Lucy Dacus's Boy Genius bandmates. Um, for me, Home Video, it's her second full-length album. Um, this is more of that great flavor of just soulful, uh, powerful indie music. For me, it doesn't quite stand up to the the highs of her first album, Historian. That album holds a very special place in my heart, especially that first track, Night Shift, where she just soars. Uh, For me, though, Home Video is another success for her. I think it's another good album. Um, I think she is very good at painting a picture. Um, And the title of both of these albums, Historian and Home Video, kind of, I think, hints, alludes to what she does so well, which is painting that picture of her past and the events that shaped her. Um, on Historian, it tended to be a little darker, like some of the, the um, subject matter of these songs. Whereas with Home Video, I think there are certainly dark moments. Um, my favorite song on the album uh, is probably the darkest song she's ever written. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that one is my standout track okay. uh, from this album. It's the song Thumbs, um, which is it's probably the most sparse instrumentation on the album. Uh, very little's going on musically, but what is going on is it's just this very soft guitar. Um, and it's this song where near as I can tell, um, it's about Lucy Dacus and a girl that she is either in a relationship with or is friends. I can't really tell the exact relationship. Um, but this girl is enduring some kind of abuse, um, seemingly from a father figure. And it's Lucy Dacus basically saying one of the lyrics is, um, I'll kill him if you want me to like this devastating, a uh, very forward, dark song. It's my favorite on the album because it's just so uh, direct. It's such a gut punch. There's a song called VBS as well um, that paints a very, uh, for, for I'm sure several of us, a very relatable picture of what say, it's I think, like. I think we can all relate yeah. to that here. Uh, to, to, to grow up in a vacation Bible school setting. Um <laughs> And some of it, some of the comments, it's, you know, it's very funny at times, but then at the same time, what Lucy Dacus does so well, she hits you with that emotional core at the end. Like you find out, okay, you've been giving me the imagery and now here's the point, yeah. um, which I feel the whole way through. If I have a complaint with the album, um, her voice is such a powerful tool. She uses it so well on Historian and on the Boy Genius EP. Um, she doesn't necessarily go to the highest of highs on this one. I would have maybe preferred for her to kind of stretch her wings a little bit more. Uh, but overall, I think it's a great album uh, worth checking out, especially if you like the first Lucy Degas album. Um, if you're a fan of Phoebe Bridger's Punisher from last year, which fantastic album, my favorite album of 2020, um, then this album is also going to do you a whole lot of good. Uh, Lucy Degas, home video, best track is Thumbs, uh, Hot and Heavy is great, the single, uh, VBS, fantastic, just a great album. 
Yeah. Yeah. I have not had as much experience with this album as Jake. I, I listened to it uh, one time when I was washing dishes a couple weeks ago. So Jake is the expert here. I am just, again, the tourist. Um, I think what struck me is that I also really, really loved Historian when it came out. And this one, Lucy Dacus has always been a very, very powerful storyteller, but I feel like this is her most storyteller album, period. It just seems like each thing is such a recollection of her past. And I remember when I was washing dishes and I played it, uh, I was like, oh, this is this is great. Hot and Heavy is great. And then it went immediately into what I, what I found out was the last track of the song. And I was like, wow, what a what a track, too. But I had shuffled it on shuffle. It. Yeah. I did, yeah. I was like, wow, this, this that's a whole nother topic. Albums we accidentally shuffled and liked them better that way. Completely, completely, yeah. completely. Anybody else listen to this album? Any, any thoughts? I've only given it a couple of listens. Um, it, I don't know if I was not in the mood for it or what, uh, it, it didn't grab me at first, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, love boy genius, love Phoebe, love Julian Baker. Um, but the, the, the big thing that, that I did take away from this album that I did like, and, and Jake, you touched on it, uh, the nostalgia factor, um, as someone who who loves nostalgia and talking about the early '90s, um, you know any kind of uh, if someone has very vivid stories, you know soaked in nostalgia, I'm a sucker for that. So yeah. so I, I did appreciate that. Um, I definitely need to give it another listen, though. Totally. Yeah, I think so. I've listened to this album I think three times this week, and it wow. took me until the third one I think for it to click, and. Uh, even on the first listen vbs caught my ear i think like jake referenced you know uh, that that hit home pretty well for me uh there's you know some funny parts there's some tongue-in-cheek parts uh and there's some just really emotional pieces to that song but uh hot and heavy stuck with me later on but i agree with you and i'm not very familiar with lucy dacus but what I wanted from the album was a bit more range in terms of like where the album is. It feels like it stays mostly on one line for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Range is a good word for it. You hit up a, a weird point in the song and partner in crime that I feel like it, it feels just out of place to me um, hmm. because the rest of the album kind of falls along the same tone. That one is a, a turn. It's not that I dislike the song necessarily, but it just feels out of place with the rest of the album. Sure. I feel like, but uh, I forget which track it is, but there's a, a line where she references Slayer and then the song really takes off. Mm-hmm. That part I really enjoyed. I, I just wanted <laughs> yeah. more more of that more like, up-tempo takeoff <laughs> yeah. emotion. Yeah, and it, and it just wasn't there. But overall, still really, in, I, I like the album. And like I said, I think it's taken it to the third listen for me to really yeah. like grab onto it. But I, I think I'm there. Yeah, with I think now. it's going to take a 3 a.m. solo drive in the rain for sure. this one to really click for me. No, and again, especially a, an album that is so soaked in in stories and something that I feel like you, f- from your description, Jake, like you really deserve to spend some time with it lyrically and just and just let it kind of unfurl itself. You know, it, it's a couple albums kind of listen. I, I love a good grower myself, so I, totally I know you do. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jake, really quick, how do you think it it uh, pours up to Historian? Uh, Historian is for me almost a nine out of ten album. This like a 7.5 or an 8. Okay. It's okay. it's still up there, but it's not quite those historian high. Sure. All right. Devin, hit us. What have you been listening to, my good sir? So uh, my pick is a kind of a strange one, I think, for the one that I've just returned to more often than the rest. And uh, it's the album uh, The Baby from Samia. And it was a 2020 album. And yeah. it was an album that I 
generally didn't think I would really enjoy. And oddly enough, the way I found it was through a release from this year called The Baby Reimagined. And it's the same songs. It's the album Turned in Reverse, which is kind of an, a neat idea. Whoa. Uh, and they're all played by completely different uh, bands and artists. So it's all covers, but they're all completely changed up from the original songs. Um, I mean, she had people like uh, Remo Drive, Barty Strange. Um, I didn't like the cover album. I, it did not click with me. But I was like, I know this is not the original, so I wanted to find what that was. And when I went back to the original album, The Baby, from last year, I really enjoyed it. Whoa. And I'm confused by it because, it, again, it's not really my niche. It, it's not been like what I would consider my classic stuff. But I really enjoyed it. It's, um, it's emotional. I think it pulls to a little bit of the pop punk kind of emo stuff that like I've listened to in the past a lot. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's a really good opening three songs uh, outside of the first song, which is really mostly just like an ambient kind of like intro kind of thing. If sure. I could just briefly mm -hmm. interject to say that the second track, Fit and Full, is like one of the best songs it released last year. So good. Whoa. Yes. Hot take. Okay, I really cool. like that one. Uh, it's Ain't nothing hot about that take. Yeah. That song's great. <laughs> <laughs> cool take. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a weird song for sure, but that one, uh, Big Wheel, is really catchy and emotional at the same time. Limbo Bitch, which is an incredible song name. You said Wimbo Bitch? No, Limbo Bitch. Limbo Bitch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, very strange song name, but I really dug it. Um, and then it gets to a weird point in the song uh, Minnesota, where uh, probably the, the middle of the album kind of like hits kind of like the same note several times in a row. And then you get to that song and... It's an odd almost closer because it hit points that are almost like Ben Folds 5 in a good way. Like a lot of it, piano? Yeah, it, okay. it felt like piano pop without the piano leading. It was it just felt like something that they would have done. Um, but I, I enjoyed the album, and it's one of those that, like, oddly enough, I've returned to several times, and I don't really know why, but I've just really stuck with it. I, I haven't listened to this yet, and, and from Devin's description, it seems pretty wild. Yeah, Jake, you're a big fan of so this So this is a great album. I, I don't necessarily want to oversell it, um, but have you listened to the Snail Mill before? Yes. You familiar with that, right? It's a similar vein it's, okay. to that. Um, kind of that emotive, but kind of sparkly guitar. I love a good sparkly guitar. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that. Uh, I love it when the guitar jingles. <laughs> and jangles? Uh, jingles and jangles and tingles and tangles. <laughs> um, it's a good album. I really like it. Um, so it gets a hearty uh, second recommendation from me. I love it. And, and so, Devin, I, I want to make sure that I understand the progression that you had with this thing. So you you tried the album itself first and it wasn't clicking. No, no. Okay, I, okay. I tried the newest release. It was one of those that just came up because it had released uh, really recently. And I think... Uh, the review, because I, I, I saw it, I listened to it a little bit, and I was like, this isn't clicking, but there's such a wide range, I know that there's more to it. Yeah. So I read a review on that, and then from that went, I need to listen to the original to see like what it is I don't really feel from this album. And uh, then I went back after I'd listened to the original album to the cover album again and was like, yeah, it's still not clicking. Yeah. But it just made me appreciate, I think, the original album even more. Um, so yeah, it's one of those, that, like I... I Put it, I put it back on today uh, just to kind of get ready after I'd listened to it again uh, the other day. And it just, I, I really like it. Um, and again, not exactly what I thought I would have stuck with. But yeah, it's been one that I've listened to in the car a couple of times this week, um, as well as here at home. Yeah. Love it. Standout track? I think for me, it was Big Wheel. Uh, Fit and Full was really fun. Uh, I didn't really want to go with that one because it's, it's the real opener, I think, to that album. Mm -hmm. uh, more than uh pool but 
really enjoyed it. Um, it's it's got a lot of emotion to it, but it's also funny at the same time. There's a lot of like funny like sort of like kid like nostalgia lyrics at times, but also like referencing uh, your own emotions and your own shortcomings at the same time. So I I really enjoyed it. Love it. Love it. No, love that, uh, you know, again, something that was released last year that you are now discovering. Again, we talked about it. So much music, so much to keep track of. You know, it's nice to kind of go back and be like, what did I miss last year that I should pay attention to? Um, I'll make this next one quick that I have. And that is the band Civic. They are an Australian punk band from Australia. (laughs) They are on the Flightless label, which is the same label. If you're familiar with King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, that is their home label as well. Uh, They released an album in March called Future Forecast. And what I have to say about this album, it is one of the best straight ahead, full throttle punk albums I've heard this year. We've heard so much great post-punk from the UK, whether that is from Dry Cleaning, Shame, uh, Squid, Black Midi, all great. And all great, I think, because they kind of take that punk formula and find a way to make kind of a left turn on it, right? Take it in some unexpected places. I think with Future Forecast, you're not going to go into some weird, long, droney bit. You're not going to have these crazy di- like jazz time signatures. Instead, what you're going to get is two guitarists who know how to be guitarists. One is just holding down that rhythm, getting the riffs hot and, and, and heavy and fresh. And then you have someone who is just gliding up and down that guitar neck, just blazing some incendiary solos. Uh, it is some driving, incredible, just throat throttling music. I've been listening to it so much this week. Lyrically, you know, kind of your, your typical punk stuff of just, you know, taking some shots at society as a whole or taking some shots at like, you know, yourself and, and kind of what that is. But I, I feel like lyrically, the, the point here is not the songwriting. It is just the full band performance and how hard they go uh, in the car before we started recording this. <laughs> Weirdly enough, we were listening to it and someone was like, this kind of sounds like the Hold Steady. And I hadn't thought of it before, but I kind of feel it in the vocalist a little bit. So if you like the Hold Steady, give it a shot. If you like punk, give it a shot. If you're like, I like my post-punk, but I don't love and all the weird like left turns that it's going, also give it a shot. I think it's it's really, really great. Mr. Kyle. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be quick as well. I've got another one uh, by a band from DC called Origami Angel. Um, its uh, album is Gami Gang. Um, without a doubt, the most fun release I've listened to this year. Um, it, it is, as far as genres, man, it is a mashup. Okay. Um, you've got some math rock. Uh, it's two guys, so you've got a guitar player who does vocals and drums. That's it. Um, and, and, and it somehow sounds so full. But you've got some some noodly math rock. You've got some straight up emo that uh, Devin, you'll appreciate. The singer came at one minute sound like he's a you know pop punk emo, uh, almost Reliant K esque, uh, and then you know go to this math rock breakdown. It's just incredible. Um, some of the best song titles uh, I've come across in a while, like Neutrogena Specter. <laughs> Um, but, but that song is a great example. Uh, I say, listen to that one because it's this uh, sweet, uh, pop punk song that, that at the last, it, the last part of it just goes into this heavy, heavy, hardcore breakdown, uh, weirdest thing. But, um, but yeah, incredible album, Origami Angel on, uh, counterintuitive records, uh, with Birmingham's own, um, Significant Other. Oh, crazy. I didn't yeah. know that. 
I didn't know that. I, I briefly listened to this album today. I picked a song from it when I saw that you were going to talk about it, Kyle. And I would have never guessed that this was two people. That's insane. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. I love music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so say we all, right? Um, Mr. Jake, what, what do you have for yeah, us? Yeah, next one I want to talk about. Um, let's see. I, I'll tell you what. I got two more that I wanted to just briefly shout out. I'm going to hit both of them real quick. Okay. Um, in the interest of time, so you can keep us moving along. Uh, first one is the new Japanese breakfast record, Jubilee. Ooh. So good. So good. I don't think so there's too much good. I need to say other than just like, do we concur it's a good album? Incredible. Yeah. I, I love the the layers of sound. I checked out the previous album when it came out, like in 2017. Yeah. And it didn't do a whole lot for me. It was okay. I was fine with it, but it didn't like light my world on fire. This has lit my world on fire. Yeah. Um, I knew from track one, that first song, Paprika. Oh my goodness. Y'all were talking about um, Fiddlehead having the best album opener of the year. I have to respectfully disagree. Uh, <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. To, give great. it to Japanese yeah. Breakfast. That yeah. song is so good. The layers, what she's doing with her voice, uh, that smooth slide up in the chorus. I don't want to try to imitate it because I don't want people to stop listening to the podcast. <laughs> um, but you know you know what I'm talking about. When she first lifts up into that chorus and it just soars and yeah. kind of that martial drum beat behind it. It's just such a unique beat that you don't hear nearly enough. Yeah. Uh, especially in like kind of pop sounding music. And the album continues to be good. Second track, uh, Be Sweet, is fantastic. Third yeah. track, Kokomo, Indiana, I love. It just continues to be great song after song after song. Um, if I have like one slight beef with it, and so by the time you get to the end, um, those last few songs start to mine a similar vein a little bit. It starts to get maybe a little bit samey, but not bad. Um, and if you were to take any song individually outside of the context of listening straight through, I'm going to love every single one of them. It's just in sequence, it can be maybe a little bit too much of the same thing. Not yeah. bad, though. Um, the other album that I wanted to talk about, and I have to give a big shout out to this because it is currently sitting atop my list for the year. This Ooh. is my favorite album I have heard this year. Whoa, okay. Uh, that is A Color of the Sky by Lightning Bug. Um, and it is, the best way I know to describe it is it's, if it's like you had Beach House, mm -hmm. but you leveled them up in every single way. Okay. So it's got that that atmospheric, bright guitar sound. It's got that open kind of keys and strings. Um, but the lyricism is so much better because Beach House lyrically has never been... I don't think anybody listens to Beach House for the lyrical content. I, I think you're You right. listen to it yeah. for the vibe. This, you can listen to the lyrical content. Um, it's an album of self-reflection about finding the things in yourself that are like not right, quote unquote. Um, this is an album about reflecting on that, about going through the process of dealing with those kind of internal... Uh, issues, the things that you know that you do wrong and you're like, oh, I wish I could stop doing that stupid thing. Um, and then you have to work on it for years and years. Um, but then on top of that, it's just got such a, this band has such a good sense of when to do what in a song. There's not really a good term I can think of for this, but just they know exactly when to make what sound. Um, when they want a song to be subtle and quiet, they'll do it. When they want a song to soar, it will hit unimaginable highs. Um, this album has just blown me away. And I put it on just off the cuff. I was on vacation last week um, and I was like laying down in bed. I wasn't going to go to sleep yet. I just wanted to listen to something. And I saw that this album had some positive press and I was like, OK, let's check this out. Track one, The Return, immediately blew me away. It's it's excellent. Um, my favorite track is actually the fourth, though. It's called Wings of Desire, um, where it's a little bit more spacious. It's a little bit more open. Um, which gives the band room to really breathe and just kind of like wrap you up in that big sonic hug. Oh, I love it so much. Color of the Sky, Lightning Bug. Oh my goodness. Stand out track? 
Wings, Wings of Desire. desire. Oh. I I should say too that Jake texted me and he I can't remember what time this was. I feel like it was at night and he sent me a screenshot of him playing that song and he was like, "This does good things to my brain." And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> Lightning Bug is that band that makes me devoid of words. Like I don't know what to say about it other than that it's so good and you have to listen to it. Especially it sounds good. That's all you say. Yeah. It, it good. It, it good. It good. <laughs> it, it good. Uh, yeah, listen to it. Uh, if you like Beach House, listen to it. If you don't like Beach House, listen to it because they might have improved on the things you didn't like about Beach House. Um, it's just, oh, whew. I would I would add not only to the Beach House recommendation, but uh, Jake's text. Jake has texted me about this band actually a couple times, and I've listened to it now. I don't think I'm quite at the same state of bliss that Jake is with it. I don't think it's a bad album. I think I just need to give it more time. The the Band comparisons that I think of that people would enjoy. A, if you are a fan of slowcore, specifically low, I think you will find a lot to love about this band. And if you love the super spacey, very minimal Yola Tango. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good comparison. It's for you. Yeah. Mr. Devin. D-cool, as we call you. All right. I think I'm going to follow Jake here. Uh, I have two... uh, Two bands that I'm not super familiar with, but I gave... uh, each of their newest albums a listen or a few listens this week uh and i i think i have pretty different uh reviews on both of these so uh madhu mokhtar the first album of theirs that i've listened to uh a freak victim uh i was hooked from the first track really enjoyed it loved it uh this was a recommendation from jake and reed i think they're going to be a lot more familiar with them than i am but uh, absolutely loved it. If I can interrupt you for half a second. Familiar with him. Yes. Yeah, just yes. Um, uh, really enjoyed it. Um, it was hooked from the first track. Like I said, it was, uh, I think I gave it a first listen on Monday on the way to work. And it was one of those albums where I was glad that the drive took a little longer than usual so that nice. I got through the entire album all in one go. Yeah. Uh, really just enjoyed it. Uh, it's just such a good sound. Yeah. in general like it's not just one thing that they that that is done on the album but there's just such a good sound when it comes to just like the the chorus of voices at times alongside just like just not fair levels of talent S- yeah. such fiery guitar playing right yes. it's crazy yeah yes um but i think the track that stuck with me most on this one was taliat um I really just enjoyed the whole thing, but I, there's parts of that song that kind of feel cyclical at times with the, the way some of the riffs work. Um, I really enjoy the album. The The other album that I have listened to a couple of times, Here it comes. I've, I've talked to Reed about it once or twice, uh, Ultra Pop from The Armed. So I'm not a hardcore guy. That is not my musical vibe at all. And I'm frustrated with this album because I want to like this album a lot. I really I know do. that feeling. There's there's a lot to this album that like I keep returning to going, I actually really enjoy this. And I, this is not at all my vibe. This is not at all the, the kind of stuff that I've stuck with from time to time. But I think I texted Reed. It's like they made an album that I really enjoyed. And then they want you to listen to it on a speaker that doesn't work. <laughs> And there's just, there's so many extra effects and, and distortions and it is compressed to levels of interference on top of levels that, that make it difficult to listen to. And and that's the frustrating part to me is that I want to actually like this album a lot, but I can't because of the way they did it. 
um and that was what they wanted to do um so more power to them but yeah well, what do you guys think jake's oh, jake's got the man. hot takes oh, yeah come on God, i what love this album man um so i think i get the, i get i get the production yeah not ideal right I think I've just been so in the weeds with like eighties black metal that like like production no longer bothers me. At, at, at this point, I could listen to it playing like in a tin can from another tin can fifty feet away. Yeah, and I could probably enjoy an album. So for me, the production is not a barrier, but I, I get it. It's obtuse. It is muddy. It is. It, it's something. Uh, I just really like it. Oh man, it's so adventurous. It's like nothing I've ever heard before. I- I will I will agree with you there. It is truly like nothing I've ever heard before. It is it is an experience if you decide to listen to it uh, and you've never listened to it before. Go go like medium to lower volume because it it will it will destroy you if you try to go like low loud to to anything else. It's supposed to destroy you. I, it is it is it is completely a sonic assault. I agree with Devin in that I listened to it once and I was like, there is something here, but I've got to like take some distance and have some. I'm going to have some time away because it is just so much for sure. For sure. You like the grower by listen 10. This is going to be all on you. I, I believe that I, I will pledge in this podcast. I will listen more to ultra pops. The armed Kyle, have you checked this out at all? I have not. I was going to say, I, I can't contribute at all, but, uh, but I, I feel like I need to now. Yeah. If, if anybody on this, this podcast is going to love yeah. it other than me, it's you. Okay. Hardcore, but amplified like way too crispy it's so crispy yeah it reminds me i feel like it's going to be like listening to that band the body have have any of you guys listened to the body no without a doubt the loudest band i've ever heard i saw them in a storage unit in florida and it was just white noise (laughs) (laughs) your earbuds the same yeah yeah uh real quick the last album that i want to shout out this one's gonna hurt me it's his gold messengers quietly blowing it out on merge records came out a couple years ago. Wonderful title. Wonderful. Quietly blowing it. You know, it, it, it speaks to, I think the kind of writer that his golden messenger is he, it, the songwriting project of one MC Taylor of Durham, North Carolina. He is just so adept at identifying and pinpointing that one part of yourself. Jake, you were talking about how, um, with lightning bug, it's these kind of these moments where you think to yourself, I could have been better here and there, right? That is, I think what Hiss sings about so well. I, first off, let me go ahead and say this at the top. I love his golden messenger. I have a his golden messenger tattoo on my arm. And it is because I identify so much with his lyrics, both from the way that his mute, I identify with his lyrics, but I also, I think, find a, there's a special place in my heart for the music that blends all of these elements of Southern rock, country, gospel, these things that I've never really identified with as someone from the South um, that have kind of put them in a new light for me where I really appreciate them. But I think also the thing about his that I love so much is that he sings so much about trying to be a better person. And he sings about overcoming, you know, depressive episodes here and there and being really down on yourself and finding ways out of that. And that is what has always drawn me to his music I have good things to say about just about everything in his discography. This one is hard for me to love. And I have listened to it now about five or six times. I pre-ordered it on vinyl, so I own it. So I, f- I could, just because I figured like track, you know, album to album to album, he's just hit so much for me. I think the reason that I can't get with this one is because Hiss draws his attention less away from himself and it's less of an internal examination. It's less of this kind of like intimate portrayal into who MC Taylor is as a person. 
And he tries to do that really tricky thing where he tries to tackle societal ills, specifically, I think, what we've been dealing with in 2020. And he just doesn't do it in a way that I feel like really speaks to anything. It, it kind of starts to sound like empty sloganeering for me. There's a song called Quietly Blowing, or not Quietly Blowing It, I'm sorry. It's the first song on Quietly Blowing It called Way Back in the Way Back, where he puts out the lyric, down with the mountains, or no, down with the system, up with the mountains. And that kind of sounds cool for a second. And then you think about it for a little while and you're like, what? Oh, no, I immediately hated that. Did you? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I just, it's that where he just, I feel like song after song, I just hear these kind of like platitudes where he's talking about income inequality, systematic oppression, hope in a hopeless world, all important topics. I'm not trying to say that like no one should think about those, but the ideas that he presents, I guess I'm just kind of like, yeah, I already knew that, man. You're not really saying that in a poetic way. Kyle, what you got? I can see that you're you're ready. You're probably yeah. I was gonna say I I, I too am a huge his fan, um, but uh, yeah, I agree with you 100. percent The album's first off, I thought it was a bit of a bore. Yeah. Um, I also think he released all of the better songs as singles, um, but at this point, he I feel like this album, and again, I love the guy. Uh, love the band. I feel like they're like an SNL skit version of themselves. Whoa. You know, it's like a, a parody at this point. Yeah. Uh, you know, hiss by numbers, if you will. Wow. Wow. I didn't think I was going to come in. I thought I was going to come in and be like, all right, I got this hot take on Hiss, this guy that I love. But Kyle's coming in here with straight fire. I respect it. What it's got to be said, like, if you had have told me that first episode of the podcast, I was going to hear Reed Strength talk down a Hiss Gold Messenger album. I wouldn't have believed it. I- now, if you said I was going to come in and talk down a His Gold Messenger album, I would have been like, which one? Yeah. And, and how long? I'm, yeah. Um, Damn. But yeah, not I've for me. I it. listened to the first track and I was already out. I was like, Ooh. Like Sanctuary, incredible song, you know, but like it came out like six months ago. Yeah. Like it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm over it. And, you know, it's the whole thing, like, you know, Reed, you and I talked about it earlier today. It's a great album. Uh, you wake up on a Saturday morning and, and you know, you're just waking up making some coffee or whatever it's a great album for that but the, yeah the, the substance just isn't there completely no yeah yeah if you if you close your ears entirely to the lyrics i i think the i think the music is beautiful 100 percent. i think it is it is beautiful it is gorgeous it is fun to kind of fall into but you're not going to find much more self much more else than that yeah. uh standout track for me uh, other than sanctuary which i know has been a great song for his congratulations to him i feel like I, i've seen it on a lot of americana radio stations um is Glory Strum's The Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner. That is the song for me that really hits. It also sings a lot, again, about trying to be a better person. It's more of that internal introspection, which I appreciate. But yeah, quietly blowing it. Wanted to love it so bad, was primed to love it. It's just not hitting for me. It's the first this album that doesn't hit for me. Kyle, close this out. What you got? Yeah, yeah, I've got one more. Uh, again, I'll keep it short. Charlie Martin, he's half of the band Howdy, spelled H-O-V-V-D-Y like the witch movie. I'm not a fan of it. Um, but um, yeah, Charlie Martin's incredible. Um, very, uh, he's from Texas. Uh, if you've listened to Howdy at all, they've released three of my favorite albums from the last three years. They, they released um, Heavy Lifter last year, 2019, incredible album, Cranberry in 2018, and then Taster in 2017. Uh, probably the band in, in the last five years that I've fallen the most in love with. Um, it's like you were saying earlier, Jake, uh, very stripped down instrumentally, um, but it's just something about it. it. It just feels like it's always been there. 
Um, it's incredible. This particular album is called Imaginary People uh, because it, it's he, he basically created a town and created all the citizens of the town. And in each uh, track is the name of someone else in the town with, with the standout track being Madison, a childhood best friend. Um, but yeah, uh, it's kind of like the book uh, that some of us had to read in school called the Spoon River Anthology. Uh, it makes me think about that uh, with an entire town created just for this album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but for real, check it out. It's uh, usually when I sit down to work in the morning, you know, 8, 8.30 in the morning. It's a quiet morning. I throw this album on. It's incredible. I will definitely have to check that, that out. That sounds fascinating. It sounds like we've got two good uh, storyteller albums between Lucy Dacus and, and it, it's... Charlie Martin. Charlie Martin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Imaginary people. Love it. Love it. All right. So we have discussed uh some of the music that we have been playing lately again new stuff old stuff new new stuff that's old to us old stuff that doesn't make any sense anyway uh i am now proud to present the title track of our first episode of the proof of sound podcast so for our listeners who i mean all of you are are new the title track is where we will kind of focus on one main discussion topic for the episode. This could be an album review. This could be a artist uh, deep discography dive. This could be a guest interview. This could just be a random topic that we have thought about as music listeners that we want to talk about. But this week, given that this is the first episode of the Proof of Sound podcast, I thought it would be interesting to explore our musical origins, our our musical ground zeros, if you will. And let me explain what I mean by that a little bit. I I mean the point in which the four of us were listening to an album, a song, an artist, had a moment with music that brought it from, you know, just something that soundtracks a Super Bowl ad or, or something that you play in the car to just kind of pass the time to something that I think you create an emotional and intimate experience with where you can realize that music really does maybe define a part of your life or, or can define a part of your life for sure. So we've each kind of thought about this and, and now we are going to uh, bear our souls to you in terms of uh, when our musical journeys as, as, as dedicated obsessive listeners really started. So gentlemen, I know that Kyle does not want to go first. He's told me, but what about you? Two? I'm a shy boy. He's a shy boy. It's okay. Of course I have to jump in, Former hardcore kid. Jake. Uh, Yeah. I mean, the musical origin story, like what a, what a topic for like the first episode, right? Every, every music podcast needs its musical origin story. Yeah. Um, This is ours. Okay. Planting the seed. Yeah. We're planting a seed. I don't know what that means, but we're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) So for me, I think when you think about a musical origin story, obviously like I could go in and I could recount. Um, like all the music that I listened to at like age five, six, seven that I enjoyed. Um, but unless you're wanting to hear like <laughs> me recount tales of like NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys and uh, you're, you're probably not going to enjoy that conversation too much. But where I start with music um, is in the fifth grade. Okay. I, I think where my origin is. Um, and I'd be interested to know too, like where y'all first began, if like fifth grade was unusually late for me or if I was early or if that's about normal. Um, but for me, what started my fascination with music, and it's something that I'm willing to bet somebody that's listening to this podcast had a very similar experience as I, when I was in fifth grade, went on a trip to Walt Disney World. Um, yeah. And on that trip, we went to uh, two of the different Disney parks. First was the Magic Kingdom. Awesome park. Um, the second one we went to, though, 
was at the time called Disney MGM Studios. Now it's called Disney Hollywood Studios. Uh, but they have a ride there uh, called the Rock and Roller Coaster. Uh, and this roller coaster very prominently and notoriously features um, a very dated version of the band Aerosmith. Um, and I'm coming into this ride um, as a fifth grader. Obviously, I've just started to hit the height limit for roller coasters and haven't gone much past it. <laughs> since. Um, but I just got to hit that height limit to go on the cool roller coasters. This was the coolest roller coaster at Walt Disney World at the time. Um, because it launches you at like 60 miles an hour in like three seconds. It's so fast. It's so fun. It was my first upside down roller coaster. Just so much fun. Yeah. But the thing that I took away from that roller coaster more than the launch, more than the loop, more than any of the Disney magic was that it was soundtracked by this band called Aerosmith that I had barely heard of other than that they shared a last name with me. I didn't really know much <laughs> about them. Uh, so I loved it. I don't even remember what song was playing on the roller coaster. Like if I dig deep, 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 I feel like it was maybe sweet emotion, but I might just be remembering subsequent rides on that roller coaster. Um, but when we got back home uh, from Disney World, I kept talking about Aerosmith. And, you know, I listened to my mom had a copy of the Beach Boys Greatest Hits that we listened to. Sometimes um, I'd been given a copy of the Beatles one and was kind of familiar with a few of the early Beatles singles. I didn't venture into like the the Strawberry Fields Forever section. I was more sticking around the Can't Bomb Me Love, Hard Day's Night section. Um, so I'd had a little bit of music education. But when we got home from that trip, all I could talk about was this band Aerosmith. I had to get more of them. And so my mom went out and she bought me yeah, a little, yeah. <laughs> little independent group. <laughs> Little, uh, little independent group called Aerosmith. And my mom went out and she bought me two CDs um, because I wouldn't shut up. She was like, I got to make them be quiet. <laughs> got to make them like listen to this band instead of talking about them. Uh, the first one she bought me was Aerosmith's Greatest Hits, which came out in the early 80s. So it's not like a complete picture. It's more their 70s output. Uh, and in retrospect, not the best collection of Aerosmith uh, there's ever been. They cut out parts of songs. They miss a few key tracks. Uh, but the most important thing about that record is it had... Songs like Walk This Way, Same Old Song and Dance, Last Child, Back in the Saddle. Uh, so big Aerosmith hits there. But the one that I listened to even more than the greatest hits was their most recent album. And I told you I was going to talk about this on this podcast was their blues cover album, Honkin' on Bobo. <laughs> A front gotta, runner for worst be, album title of all time. I was going to say gotta be one of the best but because <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. They know it's winking at you. It's horrendous. I don't know what it means to honk. I don't know what a bobo is, but uh, that was the name of the album. And it was 12 songs. 11 of them were blues covers. One of them was a, a poor attempt at a blues original from the band. Um, but I ate that album up and I still maintain that it is heavily underrated. One of the best albums they put out. Definitely the best thing they put out in like since their like late 80s output, at least. Um, if not the seventies, like it is just pure raw bluesy rock and roll. And for me, the reason why I bring this album up is that it established for me kind of this pattern of just really appreciating like the, the origin stories of music and the history of music. I um, mean, you call me at the beginning of the show, the classic rock historian, that's kind of even beyond just classic rock, just a music historian is how I like to consider myself and how I kind of frame my listening habits is I enjoy, uh, listening to individual records. But what takes an individual record from a place of interest to a place of obsession is if I can fit it into that story yeah. of the artist. And I started with Aerosmith. Not only was I putting it in context with their catalog, but they were telling me their history 
on that record. They were showing me the songs that they listened to that brought them to make their original records. Uh, so they cover Bo Diddley's Roadrunner. They cover Big Joe Williams' Baby Please Don't Go. Um, they cover um, that classic blues rock song, You Gotta Move. Uh, there's just so many great songs on that album. They cover Muddy Waters. And I was hearing their history and learning about these blues musicians through this album and then also learning about this band Aerosmith. And I was already starting to see from the get-go, here are the through lines. Here's how uh, one artist connects to the next. Here's yeah. how one artist's records inspire other records down the road. And then I would listen to Aerosmith Greatest Hits and I would hear something like Same Old Song and Dance with that bluesy bar riff. And it made sense. I hear Same Old Song and Dance. I hear them listening to Big Joe Williams and saying, ooh, I like that. I want to do that but in my way. Yeah. Um, and so as I continued to develop my music taste, when I got into the sixth grade, one year later is when I really exploded um, because I loved Aerosmith so much and I loved the Beatles so much. My mom was like, all right, I'm going to go out and buy you like nine, 10, 11 CDs. I got you too. Uh, I got um, my stepdad got me uh, Ramones, the Ramones greatest hits with like 40 tracks on one CD. Cause it's the Ramones. It's like 12 um, minutes long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I just, I got all these records. I, I got a burnt CD copy of the Black Album by Metallica. Nice. And my stepdad burned that one for me. Uh, started me down the metal train. Um, I got Van Halen. I, I love Van Halen. I think they're great. Um, and it just expanded from there. And so as I went into middle school, I was all about expanding that story. It wasn't finding isolated bands that were on islands. It was about finding the story and the through lines. Uh, I would listen to U2 and I would be like, okay, well, U2 kind of also sounds like this other band. I've got one of their songs on like this mix CD that my stepdad made for me. It's this band called R.E.M. They got this song called Orange Crush. It's pretty cool. Kind of sounds like it's hear a little bit of that U2 kind of jingle to it. Mm -hmm. And so I would make these connections and it would lead to new bands. And then, you know, R.E.M. leads to the Smiths and the Smiths leads to, you know, and you just go on and on and on from there. Um, until eventually, you know, I got to the point where I felt comfortable enough in the story that I could go out in any direction. Um, when I was a senior in high school, um, is when I expanded even further. Um, my friend William, who I met for the very first time, kind of expanded my taste, um, got me to kind of branch out into ways I didn't know I was going. He introduced me to Arcade Fire. He got me to listen to Radiohead, who I'd not listened to up to that point. Um, so that got me into some weird spaces. And then by the time I got to college, I was a lost cause. Um, so by the time I met you, <laughs> Reed and you, Devin, uh, I, I would go pretty much all over the place. And yeah. that's still where I am today. It's just, it started as a single story. It started as the blues to Aerosmith. And it's just become this ever more complicated web ever since then. But it's all connected. And that's what I love about it. Damn. I never thought I would want to listen to an album called Honkin' on Bobo. But damn it. You have sold me, Jake. I also never knew that Aerosmith pulled a Jack White, which I feel like is what Jack White always does, right? Is he, he covers famous blues artists, and it makes me want to go back and discover. So that's, look yeah. at them. They're just great. That's awesome. Yeah, while Jack White was doing that in the mainstream, Aerosmith slid a, an album under the, the cover of 35 years of being a band. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, if you want to. That's that's awesome. All right, who who's feeling who's feeling good about the origin story? I think I'm gonna jump in next because I can kind of riff off of what you're talking about with Aerosmith. Uh, I didn't go to Disney World as a kid, but oddly enough, uh, my wife and I went a few years ago, and uh, I now own not one but I think two different vintage Disney MGM Studios rock and roller coaster featuring Aerosmith T-shirts <laughs> that I proudly wear even to work at the office. Uh, on a probably weekly or monthly basis. Nice. It's a great ride. Um, yeah, it's a great ride. Um, 
so I, I think my musical origin story is, is kind of all over the place in, in some areas. So I grew up uh, in a house where a lot of what we were listening to back in like the 90s through probably 2002, 2003, uh, what was on the most, especially here in Alabama, was a lot of like pop country music. Um, and so I have a weird appreciation for a lot of 90s country music uh oddly enough same it's, my man it's it's not something that i return to ever right now but like i'll hear something or just a, a couple of notes of a song that i haven't heard in 15 years and be like oh i know every word to that song and i don't know why um so i i think it started with that and i think we've already talked about how like pop punk was like my jam for a while i think it stems from the catchiness of some of the things that uh you know are in that like 90s country at times uh, whether it's like, you know, Shania Twain or like Brooks and Dunn of all things, yeah. uh, even some Garth Brooks at the time. Uh, but uh, it kind of switched over in time. My dad, a lot of what he would listen to or what I'd hear, like if I was riding in the truck with him, uh, I grew up playing hockey. So like we would drive like an hour to go to hockey practice and it would be nothing but like 70s and 80s classic rock. And so he was a big like Def Leppard fan and and uh, he's a big Sticks fan. And so like I have a, a really odd appreciation for sticks uh just a lot of things that like i haven't heard in a long time but like that was his jam he loved sticks and so like i'm familiar with a lot of their stuff so uh, kind of all over the place there but i think uh that catchiness like drove me towards pop punk specifically uh some like christian crossover bands at the time and so uh, that was sort of my gateway into music in general was some of those like christian crossover groups like you're you're i think top two at least for me at the time were like reliant k and switchfoot like they get you because like they're not overly christian they can be played on the radio at the same time and so like they have a kind of a, a wide crowd that listens to them a wide audience there so uh you know i grew up definitely through like middle school and like high school it was a lot of that kind of stuff uh that drove me a little bit more towards like uh you know mainstream pop punk at times a little bit of emo not like overly towards the emo side of things uh but definitely staying in that vein and then later on once i got to college i definitely owe a lot of the branching out of music towards reed and jake here uh, they introduced me to uh a little known band called weezer and uh so and and there's a lot of baggage there with weezer uh there's more bad than good i would definitely argue um but uh the 90s rock scene was something that i have completely missed like i missed it by a mile and so like i have this weird thing now where i have this great appreciation for bands that are all sort of riffing off of 90s rock music but I don't like the originals. And, and so it's, it's this weird thing that I've had to notice being like, you know, oh, hey, I like this new album by somebody. And uh, like my wife, Hannah, will look at me and be like, well, that sounds a lot like this band back then. And I'll be like, yeah, I don't like them, though. Like, <laughs> it, and it's very strange. But like, it's, it's this odd thing where I missed the, the 90s and like some of the early 2000s entirely. Uh, but I like a lot of the things based off of them. So like they paved the way. But like those those haven't clicked with me yet. But uh, definitely like when they introduced me to Weezer, uh, I had already heard a bit of like Green Day and Reed and I share a, a really big love of Green Day. Um, so, uh, and Reed might get into that a little bit later, but, 
um, you know, Green Day fit with the pop punk side of things definitely that I'd already been into. Uh, and so we were able to click over that as well. Uh, and then from them, it, that branched out into things like Neutral Milk Hotel, uh, who I, I think you guys went to see them here in Birmingham we like, did. right before I got on that train. Yep. And that's an irreplaceable thing that I'll never be able to, to get back to. You'll never ride that singing song. Uh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, um, yeah, so like from that, it's been this like really fun branch out to things that are totally like not in my wheelhouse of what I thought I would be listening to, like as a high schooler Yeah. now, um, you know, just this, this, a wide range of different things. Um, like Courtney Barnett was an, uh, an artist that I clicked with a few years ago. Um, and, uh, she actually dropped a single this week, uh, that I enjoyed as well, but uh just all over the place in terms of like where i started and then where i'm at now and still picking up new things like there's just so many artists that like i've heard like reading jake reference like you know 50 times already that i'm like yeah i've just not listened to them yet like I, i'll get around to it yeah um like you you referenced his golden messenger earlier uh that's one that i have not jumped into yet and i had heard similar things about the newest album and i went I know that's not what I need to start with, so I just have not jumped in yet. Oh, yeah. uh, there's just so many different things that like I'm excited to jump into, both for the podcast, but for myself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's it for me. It's, it's hard sometimes like feeling like you have to play musical catch-up. Um, and I feel like everybody hits that point at some point. Like when I was a senior in high school and my friend William moved to town, he's significantly older than me. <laughs> Those of you that are listening to the podcast, um, but he had, it felt like such a head start. It's like, God, he was there when the bins came out and now I have to listen to all the Radiohead albums. Uh, and it's just, it, it sucks feeling like you have to play catch up sometimes yeah. because you feel, at least in my position, I feel like I'm having to rush through all these albums just to catch up when in actuality, I think it's more fun and more natural just to feel where you gravitate towards and just dig in there. Totally. And it, who cares if you have blind spots, like. You're, you're, we're all pieces of Swiss cheese with little holes all up in us. <laughs> all pieces of Swiss it's, cheese, everybody. It's a little bit of a double-edged sword, though, because, you know, sometimes you, you'll, you'll wake up five years later and be like, I missed 10 years of this style of music. And it sucks because, like you said, you got to play catch up. But then also you realize, oh, I have like a hundred albums that I can listen to now that I've never listened to before. And Spotify is a great evil sometimes. Yeah, you yeah. Know? <laughs> Just throw it on a playlist and put it on shuffle and, and, and you're good to go. Yeah. No, and and Devin, I think too. You know, I, I feel like you feel like you have so much to catch up to, but I think we all do. Like, can I tell you about the Bowie discography back back to front? No, like I'll get there one day, but I'm not going to rush into it either. I think that's that's the great part about being a music listening fan. I, I understand that pressure, Jake. Of like, I feel like I need to catch up to the conversation, but it also makes me excited because I'm like, I have so much, so many artists that have such a deep discography that I haven't even dove into yeah we'll never run out of rabbit holes no yeah never run into rabbit holes i love that <laughs> bowie's a great one to go down by the way just yeah. throwing that out there no de- maybe that can be an episode who knows who knows who knows Who knows? i will say i can't wait for the weezer episode dude oh my god me too me too <laughs> we're just gonna crap on weezer for an hour and a half straight <laughs> or it will be like the misunderstood parts of weezer which i i'd be interested in gratitude anyway. a defense yeah <laughs> i just can't stop partying uh kyle it's, it's just you and me, man. Who's who's doing the origin? Who's I can it? jump in. You want to do it? All right, yeah, do it. Yeah. Go for it. Go for it. Um, so yeah, I grew up in a pretty musical family, although I have no musical talent. Um, but th- So there was always music at our house. My dad's a Presbyterian minister, so there was a lot of like high church music. 
Uh, and then my mom has a, a degree in piano and played piano at most of those churches. So there's lots of like church music flowing around. But then when we were in the car, dad was listening to like the big chill soundtrack. So like fifties Motown and mom was listening to nineties country and, and radio rock. So like up until like fourth grade, I just listened to whatever was on the radio and, and bought a lot of CD singles you know, you go watch like Batman Returns and then you buy the soundtrack or whatever. Um, but in fourth grade, uh, I, I bought the first album I ever bought with my own money. Um, I, it was a, a cassette by a band called Green Day, Dookie. Um, that was the first album I bought with my own money. I still love it. Um, Hot Take, Welcome to Paradise is the best song on the album. Ooh, I don't disagree but, with that. That's pretty... Ooh. Yeah. But um, and that that put me on a long, long road of of uh, pop punk, then punk, and then just just more and more emotional music. Um, you know, it, it was it was just Green Day for a while, um, and then uh, Green Day turned into Blink One Eighty Two, MXPX, um, those kind of bands, which then turned into uh, a bunch of like Fat Records bands, like Lagwagon. Uh, Millen Collin, Pennywise, that kind of stuff, which then turned into like hardcore and punk rock, and so it was just a long thing. But but at the same time, uh, there there was you know when, when I was listening to like all these uh, punk rock and hardcore bands of the late '90s and early 2000s, I was also listening to like American Football and the Get Up Kids and Death Cab for Cutie. So like these two worlds just combined within me when I was in like high school. And uh, it just opened up the world. And so we've talked about that a lot is, is, you know, one band leads to another, one band leads to another. Yeah. But then when you start looking at entire genres and entire scenes, um, you know, it, it opens up in an even broader world of music. So um, by the time I got to high school, I, I was full on obsessed with music, writing for the high school newspaper and that kind of stuff. And, and, and like I said, it, it was both a combination of punk rock, metalcore, hardcore, and, and then just straight up emo. Um uh, I'll go to the grave saying uh, that the self-titled American football record is one of the best records of all time. Amen. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and you know, so, something, you know, uh, as I got older, you know, I, I definitely grew out of some of those sounds. Um, some are still fun to listen to for a nostalgia factor. But, you know, I, I've gotten into, you know, more folky stuff in my old age. I think a lot of that 90s country comes back in different forms. Um, you listen to, I, I listen, my family's from Kentucky. I listen to a lot of bluegrass. Um, you know, uh, last year I did try to give the Grateful Dead a try. It didn't stick. Uh, sorry, Reed. Um, but yeah, so, so, so much like we've already said from everybody, uh, a little bit of all over the place. Yeah. I, I gotta ask, you know, you said that you bought the, the first tape that you ever bought was Dookie by Green Day. Mm-hmm. What song was what song compelled you to be? Was it Welcome to Paradise that you were like, I have to? Have no. So like, uh, I, I would love to say yes to that because um, Welcome to Paradise was on a skate video I watched, uh, but I didn't realize that it was on there till after I bought the, the, the tape. Oh, nice. Um, so, yeah. so it was either, I, I want to say it was Basket Case. Okay. Um, yeah, I feel like that's like the yeah. one of the key gateway drugs into Green Day. Yeah. It was one of the first ones I ever heard. And, um, yeah. That's great song. Maybe a little overdone now. But. It's just crazy to me that I, I listened to that in fourth grade, and here I am, 36, and I can go grocery shopping and hear Basket Case. <laughs> or to an Alabama football game, and they'll yeah, play yeah, it in yeah. the fourth quarter. Like, it's a marching band song. Yeah. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. I feel like that that gif of uh, Matt Damon from Saving Private Ryan, where he turns into the old man every time I hear <laughs> it. Like, yeah. 
I love it. I love it. Well, uh, I am up last and I, I feel like I, Kyle and I have such a, a, a torch to, to pass because I'll start with this guys. Uh, when I was a kid, I hated music. I hated it. He hates music. I know. I know. That was what my parents thought. They thought that I was some anomaly. They were like, who are you? And I think specifically when I say I hated music, and I don't know if you guys ever related to this at all, but I think what, when I say that I hated music, I think I hated it when people tried to, I always felt like people, this is like anxious, like 10 year old thoughts. I was. That's what we're all here for. Yeah. I was worried. That's where we still are emotionally. (laughs) We never grew out of it. The people want to hear them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Voice them. I was worried that people were going to scrutinize me as I talked about my favorite music or I reacted to my favorite music. I think the thing that I still fear as an adult is dancing. Okay. I'd never, I feel so uncomfortable dancing. I feel like I am just the most awkward thing out there. I have no rhythm. I don't know how to do it. And so I think as a kid, if anybody played any music that I was sort of familiar with, or if they let, if I let on that, I liked a particular type of music, they would be like, Oh, I'm going to play it and you're going to like dance to it. And I'd be like, no, I don't want to do that. So I just put this, I know it's weird. I know. I okay. Know. Okay. Two things, two things. Yeah. First off, when you said dancing, I thought you said Danzig. Danzig. It was like 10 year old Reeves listening to Danzig. But the then the next question is, what were you listening to when you were 10 that you were terrified that you were going to get scrutinized for? I, I think truly my earliest music memories are, it, 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 to most people, I think in this room, like I loved Eiffel 65's uh, Daba D Daba Die, right? That was my stuff, man. <laughs> I don't think I consciously listened to that song until I was like 20. Yeah. <laughs> First CD I probably ever owned was Aaron Carter's like Aaron's party or something. You know what I mean? Like that's, that is how far back I'm going. But it's, that's the thing is that I think immediately once I hit a certain age, I just felt all this anxiety where people would either ask me to sing my favorite songs, which I couldn't sing or dance to my favorite songs, which I couldn't dance. I think these were irrational thoughts, but that's how I felt. And so I just completely like banned music from my life. And it, it, it drove my parents crazy. And I remember my mom is a humongous music lover. My mom has played a tremendous influence on my, my musical taste going forward. And she would play music all the time in the house. And I would like shut my door and put pillows underneath the, the like crack of the door so that I couldn't hear the music. Like I was just such a weirdo with it. And so in around 2005, 2006, I was in sixth grade. So Jake, you were talking about like, when did this start to happen? Sixth grade for me, I was, I was 12, I guess. And again, I had established at this point, I hate music. I'm not about music. Don't play it near me. I get weird about it, right? And so one day I'm riding around the car with my mom in Mobile, Alabama, where I grew up. We're listening to 92.1 The Zoo, which is the alternative rock radio station for Mobile. And a little song called Wake Me When September Ends by Green Day Plays. (laughs) And I want to go on the record, too, that right now I hate power ballads. If you ask me, how do I feel about power ballads as a genre of of song? I hate them. Yes. That is very dismissive of a time honored genre. But we'll talk about that on another episode. Okay, that's that's the defense, the defense of the power ballad. Anyway, I, you know, Wake Me When September Ends came on. We're riding around the car and it's like a five minute song. And it, it starts with that quiet acoustic intro and then ramps up and it just sounds like fireworks all going off. Right. Did you look out the window like you were in the music video? Dude, you know, I did. <laughs> I was having 12 year old boy thoughts. <laughs> and I, uh, I remember, you know, kind of looking at my mom and I was like, again, hated music. I'd established this. I was like, 
I kind of like that song. And she was like, what? And I was like, I don't know. I just thought that song was kind of good. And she was like, wait, wait, you like that song? And I was like, I mean, I mean, don't make it. Yeah, I mean, I like the song. Like 12-year-old boy, just like, don't look at me. I'm trying to express myself, but don't look at me. Then she said, dance to it. Dance to it, boy. <laughs> and, uh, sh- and shot the ground with revolvers. <laughs> <laughs> like Yosemite Sam. That's my Alabama mama. Uh, so anyway, my mom took this small interaction. You know, like I, I, I said the thing of like, I like it. And then that was it. She took this small interaction, made a mental note of it. We'll say four months later, it was Christmas. All of a sudden in my stocking, I pull out Green Day's American Idiot, the full album on CD. And I pull out a t-shirt with a hand grenade on it. It's the American Idiot t-shirt. And that is my mom being like, you are a fan. You are a fan of this band. This is your lifestyle now. This is who you are. You can't, no take backsies, boy. You like music. That's it. This is who you are. I was like, no, mom, I like this one song. She's like, no, 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 this is who you are. And so, I mean, from there, honestly, like I, you know, she'd be like, oh, let's, let's play that. She'd find every opportunity to be like, let's play American Idiot. Come on, come on, come on. Let's, let's do it. You like this band. Come on, be a music fan. And I would just listen to Wake Me Vincent September Ends. It's all I was interested in until one fateful day. And I was at my dad's and I was very bored. My parents had been divorced for years at this point. And I like played video games. I played, I watched TV. I was just really bored. And I was like, I mean, I guess I have this boom box near me and I guess I've got my American Idiot CD. So I guess I'll just pop that in and listen to it. And on that fateful interaction, I happened to slip the paper case out of the CD. And that oh, my boy read the lyrics. My boy, my boy fired up American Idiot the song, read the lyrics and was like, whoa. And then I heard the song Jesus of Suburbia, the nine minute epic four four you know four songs basically jammed into one like they're the who or queen the best green day song i i don't disagree with you and that is the best green day song without a doubt wow i've i have an impassioned defense so i i listened to this song and then i listened to the next song and the next song and i followed all throughout the lyric book and i was changed from that moment i remember getting in the shower after that album played and just thinking about it in the shower. It was no longer playing, but I could hear it in my damn head. Like it was just captured there. As soon as I got home, I was like, mom, I need a CD player. And she's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I need a, I need a portable CD player so that I can listen to this album on my own. And as soon as she got it for me, I had this giant Walkman that I would like jam into my pocket and walk around in my neighborhood and just listen very angstily to this like crazy pop punk thing. That album was the loudest thing I think I'd ever heard in my life. It just totally destroyed me. It took my heart and just pounded it into the gravel. And I think when I look back on why that album meant so much to me, I was going through a really, really hard time. Uh, My mom was married to this really asshole stepdad guy who there was some abuse going on. There was just some some really nasty stuff. Um, And it was just this really weird situation where I think... In some moments, I would hear him be like, I love you, I love you. And then in some moments, I would hear him like trying to hurt my mom. And I was just so confused by it. And it felt like this era and this moment where my childhood was kind of gone. You know what I mean? Where it was just like something has been lost. And it sounds corny as hell, but a lyric like, I'm the son of rage and love made so much sense to me. And I, I feel weird about that because I think... For a lot of angsty kids at that time, a lot of angsty kids now, you know, you hear that lyric who maybe have gone through less of what I've gone through, more of what I've gone through, and they connect to it. But for me, it just, 
lit. It was like rocket fuel to all these emotions that I just had inside of me. And I swear to God, I listened to that album for a year after I I kind of popped it into that initial boombox player. I know those lyrics by heart now. I know that Green Day's American Idiot is a cringy listen for a lot of people, but it was the moment for me that everything changed when I think I realized that an album could just, you know, bring out these emotions in you and bring out these feelings in you that maybe you weren't prepared to deal with, but like are are voicing in a way. Um, And from there too, really quick to wrap it up, I think not only did I find so much in American Idiot that I valued, but I was so floored by it that I was like, who made this? How did they do this? And it led me down this rabbit hole of watching every Green Day music video I could, watching every interview I could, reading every album review that I could, reading every feature I could. Because I was like, how did they do this? Like, how do you create this thing out of thin air that means so much to me? And that's a practice that I still continue to this day. It's something that I did with every other band since Green Day where I'm like, once I get into an album, I want to know, kind of like Jake, like, I want to know the story of it. How did, how did this happen? Like, there's this thing that means so much to me, and I have to kind of track it down to its source to understand it better. So, yeah, Green is American Idiot. Again, I know a lot of people have a complicated relationship with it. For me, it will always be the one. I think, like, uh, two things. Uh, first off, I'm insanely jealous that when you guys are in, like, grade school. Yeah. And you found something that you liked, you could just get on the internet and find more about it. Totally. But I didn't have that option. You know, we, we didn't have the internet in 1994. But, yeah. but the other thing is, I, I do love, out of the four of us, how important Green Day is. Of all bands, um, <laughs> that Green Day is, is the one that ties us together. It, it is actually kind of the weird nexus in my life where not only has it brought me to you guys, it was also, I was telling Kyle on the way, it was sort of what connected me and my fiance together right now. So... Billy Joe, Mike, and Trey, if you guys listen to this, we love you, boys. We love you. You're good boys. Especially you, Mike. You keep doing your thing. Yeah, you keep dirtin', boy. Uh, well, guys, I think this has been the first episode of the Proof of Sound podcast. And what a first episode it's been. Right? Well right. done, y'all. Yeah. Well done. Well done. We are so excited to get back together and keep sharing the music that's important to us now, that's been important to us in the past. Keep exploring those topics that keep us motivated to listening to music. And again, whether you uh, you know go snail mail, whether you email, whether you just hit us up on social media, let us know what your origin point was. What was the moment where music changed for you and mattered to you for the first time in a, in a real way? We want to hear about it. And uh, if there's anything that you feel like we should check out based on the musical recommendations that we made today, please let us know. And uh, otherwise, I don't know, boys, what do you want to what do you want to say to close it out? Nothing else to say. Yeah. Goodbye. Good luck. We love you. Good night. Thanks for listening.